Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk, a new series of candid conversations covering the issues facing freelance professionals today. I'm Tom Rizzo, your host, managing director and founder of Plectrum Advisors, an investment advisory firm based in Los Angeles. On each episode of Let's Talk, I'll be speaking with some of the most plugged in experts to help you and me make sense of today's changing environment and to help you be smarter about how to approach work and life. So let's get started. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk. I'm really excited to have Kim Roberts from the Film Musician Secondary Markets Fund with us today. About a year ago, we had Kim on the show, and on that episode, Kim gave us an overview of what was new at the fund at the time. And then several months ago, we had Kim back where we talked about new media and how new media is affecting fund participants' collections. And then earlier this month, Kim had her own webinar called Getting Ready for July 1st, where she talked about the specific questions that fund participants have been giving to her. And that's what we'd like to talk about today. So welcome, Kim. Thanks so much for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's always a great opportunity to talk with you and share whatever information we can for the benefit of musicians who participate in the fund or are interested in learning more about the fund. I thought maybe we'd start with some really good news, which is collections this year seem to be up. And can you speak a little bit about what trends are contributing to this? We are in the process of finalizing our numbers for the 2023 fiscal year. That's the fiscal year that ends March 31st, 2023. And as of right now, it appears for the secondary markets fund that our collections will be just around little over $140 million. That is as compared to $130 million in the previous uh, fiscal year. Each year for at least the last um, seven, eight years, in fact, the last really 10 years, uh, the collections have been increasing steadily. What has been driving that predominantly has been the residuals that are being generated from the release of what I will call traditional theatrical motion pictures, traditional television into the new media, what we now, we still call new media services, such as streaming services, uh, paid streaming services, paid downloads, or increasingly now, free to the consumer streaming, where you have to sit through advertisements. All of that is generating residuals that has assisted us in receiving more and more each year on behalf of musicians. Well, that's, that's really good news, of course, to anyone who is a participant in this fund. Is there a way to predict how long this might last, these increases? Well, that's a little hard to predict, and it's hard to predict for two reasons. One is it's hard for us here at the fund to 
have a sense of where business models might be going in the next three, five, 10 years. And at some point you question whether or not uh, the, the increases that we have been seeing steadily for the last 10 years or so are going to plateau. Uh, the second variable, again, which is not something that the fund has anything to do with, but is really between the American Federation of Musicians and the AMPTP, is what are they going to negotiate in their next collective bargaining agreement, which is coming up later this year, sometime around October, November. The fund does not negotiate residuals. What we do is administer what has been negotiated between the union and the producers. Depending upon what they negotiate may affect what the trends will be going forward. Yeah, so a lot of moving parts here. Those of us who have been around for a little bit, remembering all the changes from videotape, cassettes, CDs, um, uh, the advent of streaming, cable TV. There's no doubt over the next 20 years, advances and changes that are going to be similar to what we witnessed there. We just don't know what they are yet. If you think about where we were just three, four years ago before the pandemic, how many streaming services were there in the, at the end of 2019 versus how many streaming services are there today? Yeah. And that pace of change over just three or four years is, it continues to speed up. And so being able to predict where things will go uh, is an increasingly difficult challenge, which the entire industry, as we know what is happening uh, right now in Hollywood, is facing. Since we can't predict that stuff, why don't we talk about some things that we can control or can know about? I've heard from many participants this question of how can a participant check to be certain that all the eligible sessions they've worked on have been submitted to the fund? The paperwork that we receive, predominantly, most of it comes from Local 47 and Local 802, where the bulk of the work is done, Los Angeles and New York. Uh, but we also receive session reports from other locals around the country, uh, union locals around the country as well. If a musician has a question, one, they can always check with their local to make sure that the session reports were, in fact, properly filed with their local. But to make sure that we received it, they can reach out to our participant relations department. If you send an email to participant relations, one of our staff will be happy to answer you. In addition, if you have signed up as a participant for online account access through our website, you are able to look at your statements. If you have signed up for online account access, you, you can view not only your current, but your past statements to see what films you were credited with in prior years and what amounts you received in each year uh, for the films that you were credited with as of that year. I would say the self-service way is to go through your account access if you have signed up for it. But if you're not sure how to do that or if you have any other questions, you can always reach out 
to our participant services department. Let's talk about beneficiaries for a second. Um, I had somebody ask me recently, what if his uh, the beneficiary listed is his trust? Mm-hmm. Um, will that work with the Film Musician Secondary Markets Fund? Trusts can be beneficiaries in limited circumstances. So if you go on our website and take a look at our policy, a trust can be a beneficiary if it is a trust for a living individual. So for example, someone who has established a trust for their children, and presumably at the time of the person's passing, their children are still alive, the trust can be a beneficiary. But if it's a trust for yourself, by definition, that would not apply because you would not be a living person at the time that the trust is being activated as a beneficiary. That's good to know. It leads me a little bit to my second line of inquiry and that um, it's a little bit morbid, but what happens when a participant dies? Are the residuals, do they continue to be paid? Yes, they do. Uh, And it's actually one of the unique and frankly, very forward thinking elements of the AFM agreement. The AFM agreements provides first that when a musician passes away, his or her residuals will go to the beneficiary that the musician names on the beneficiary designation card. And the beneficiary designation card or beneficiary designation form uh, is available on our website. And you can download it, fill it out, and send it back to the office. If a musician fails to fill out a beneficiary form, then the contract, the AFM contract provides that residuals will go to the surviving spouse if there is a surviving spouse. However, if the musician failed to fill out a beneficiary card and doesn't have a surviving spouse, then the residuals will go to the estate And that is where sometimes it can get very complicated because sometimes resolving the estates takes a long time. And so we think it is incredibly important for musicians to understand that they really need to fill out a beneficiary designation form. And as life changes, let's say you have additional children or some other change in family events to update that beneficiary designation form so that whatever the musician's wishes are, are on file with us and we can implement and execute the wishes of the musician as it relates to residuals that will come in after his or her passing. It's such an important area. I mean, we get into this a little bit in our our business with uh, investment advisory um, with people that this is a very simple step to take. It's really not complicated. You don't need an attorney. You just fill out the card or you update the card if your circumstance Mm -hmm. changes. Literally, we're talking it takes minutes to do this. Um, but it's, I believe it's, it's sometimes perceived as opaque or difficult. This is probably the most important one to, to pay attention to to protect the future. One of the areas of confusion is that sometimes people mistakenly believe 
that because they have filled out a beneficiary form with the pension plan or they have filled out a beneficiary form with their local union, that it applies to this fund. It does not. We are required, and this is something very specific in the collective bargaining agreement, that the beneficiary designation for this fund has to be on this fund's form. And whatever may be done for the pension plan or uh, the local union's forms does not apply to us. So it really is important to take that extra five minutes to fill out the form that's applicable to the secondary markets fund to make sure that we are able to implement the musician's wishes. The webinar that you gave, there was something mentioned that I was unaware of, and it's called the, I believe it's called the secondary use fee. Can you talk about what that is and who pays it and what that's, what's that about? It's called new use technically, uh, new use fee. So this is a circumstance where, for example, a musician was on a sound recording and that sound recording was used in a motion picture or a television show. The musician who was on that sound recording had to be an AFM covered sound recording, had to be done under an AFM B4 contract. Uh, The musician on that sound recording would be entitled to what's called a new use payment that is processed by the union. But in addition to that, the musician on that recording would then be added to the list of musicians for that motion picture or television show and be entitled to participate in the residuals for that that motion picture or television show. Now, this only applies to motion pictures or television shows that were released after 1991. If you were on a record, and let's say you were on a record from 1975 that was done under an AFM agreement and it's put into a movie that's being made today, you would be entitled to a new use fee again, which is processed by the union. It's not processed by us, but then we would receive what's called a new use B7 from the union office. And we would add the musicians on that sound recording to the list of musicians who share in the residuals for that motion picture. That was news to me. I wasn't aware how that worked. So thanks for thanks for enlightening me on that. Um, we have uh, several participants who have asked me this question. Say, I've, I've moved four times in the last five years. Were checks sent to my old address? And what happens to that money? And how do I keep track of that? And that kind of thing. It's important to note that any checks that we issue are valid only for 90 days. So if a check is not cashed within 90 days, it becomes stale dated. At that point, uh, the monies that were in that check become essentially unclaimed residuals. We have on our website a place where you can search whether or not you may have unclaimed residuals. This is a perfect example of why it is so important for musicians to take advantage of the Go Paperless option that we have. If you sign up for Go Paperless, 
and therefore your residuals will go by direct deposit directly into the account that you specify, then you don't have to worry about whether or not you've moved four times. Or if you're on tour, when the distribution checks come out, the two most important things I think I hope that musicians take from this conversation is one, be sure to fill out your beneficiary designation form. And two, please sign up for Go Paperless and avoid the risk of having a check get lost or stale dated after a distribution. Yeah, well said. Is this paperless direct deposit available in Canada? Actually, direct deposit, as we know it, which is actually called International ACH, is available through June 30 of this year. And that is by virtue in Canada, by virtue of a ruling that has just come down by the Federal Reserve, putting new requirements on all U.S. banks. Starting July 1st, we will be required to send any direct deposit as the user knows it by wire transfer. An electronic transmission will be available in Canada this year because July 1st falls on a Saturday. The distribution will actually occur on Friday, June 30th. (laughs) For those who have direct deposit, Your money will be in your bank accounts one day earlier than normal. The collective bargaining agreement requires the payment of residuals for distribution in secondary markets, regardless of the territory. So whether it's domestic or foreign um, streaming, whether it's domestic or foreign distribution of DVDs, whether it's pay television in Germany or pay television in the United States, the collective bargaining agreement requires that residuals be paid on those receipts. We do receive it, monies, both international uh, and domestic. From time to time, we have to go through collections efforts, but for the most part, we do receive that as part of the normal course of contributing companies, remitting payments to the fund. Can you speak just a little bit uh, about the the way that the residuals from the fund are quantified by the IRS as uh, deferred compensation? For many musicians, a lot of the income that they receive is royalty income, which is 1099 income, but it doesn't necessarily give you credit for social security or be credited for Medicare. One of the things that is important about the residuals that the secondary market fund administers is they are very specifically defined in the collective bargaining agreement as deferred wages. Therefore, we are required and we do uh, report both social security and Medicare and in California and New York, unemployment insurance on behalf of the individual musician, which is really important. In your younger years, you may not be thinking about it, but it's really important for those crediting years that build to your ultimate social security uh, retirement benefit. Because it is reported as W-2 income, 
there are a lot of moving parts. So it could have some effect depending on your benefits. Once you are beginning to collect social security, it could have implications, but it depends upon whether or not the social security office is understanding that it is deferred compensation that is essentially deferred for work that was done in a prior year or whether or not they understand it to be current employment. And sometimes that can be very confusing for both Social Security as well as the individual musician who is collecting Social Security. It depends upon when you take your benefits, what year you were born, because retirement age is different depending upon what year you're born. I would suggest that any individual should really consult with their individual financial and tax advisor as to what the implications may be. And from time to time, if the Social Security Administration doesn't really understand what residuals are, which sometimes government agencies don't really understand, we can sometimes be available and be of assistance to provide a clarifying letter to explain what residuals are um, when a government agency, whether it's a state unemployment insurance agency or the Social Security Administration, doesn't really understand how the entertainment industry works and how residuals work, whether it's musicians, actors, for anyone. Somehow our government doesn't quite get how that works. That's a great service that you'd offer. And and we do have some standard um, letters that we provide when there is confusion. And as you say, doesn't necessarily mean it changes the results, but we do what we can to help clarify whenever there is confusion about what these residuals actually are. In addition to the check that you're going to receive on July 1st, there are other things. We talked about the beneficiary issue and other issues that um, finding, uh, making sure you're credited for um, projects that you'd worked on. The fund has put these resources in place and we, we hope you'll avail yourself of these resources. So, Well, a couple of things also that particularly at this time of year, we are in the run-up to the big distribution that will occur on June 30th. There are certain deadlines for updating information that we have on the website. Unfortunately, the most recent deadline has just passed. Uh, The deadline to update addresses, tax information, et cetera, uh, uh, enroll in direct deposit for this June 30th distribution. That deadline was last week, May 19th. We do have other distributions coming up. So for example, in September, we have the omissions distribution in situations where a musician might've been omitted Uh, Maybe we didn't get a session report on time to be able to include the musician in a distribution. There are additional time to update for future distributions, and we encourage people to do that. In addition, musicians often wonder, well, I worked on a movie or a TV show in 2021 or 2022. Is it going to pay in this year? There is a list of titles, films and and TV shows that have paid in for the each fiscal year. You can look at that list to see whether or not it has paid in yet. And sometimes a musician will say, I worked on a film, but I don't see it on your list. Does it mean it's not paid in? And sometimes that 
generates an inquiry where we follow up and say, we should have received residuals for this by now. So we can follow up with the company. Now, if it was a 2022 movie, 2023 might be a little early to expect residuals to come in, but it's something that musicians can look at and they can raise an inquiry through the website if they have a question. And then finally, about five to six business days before the June 30th distribution, the statements should be up. And that is very common that musicians will want to know, well, what am I getting on June 30th? Uh, And so we don't know that just now, uh, but probably about uh, June 25th, June 26th, uh, that, that should be up on the website again, if you have online account access, uh, which is essentially your private portal to take a look at your statements and update your information via the website. And what's involved in, in creating your account? It's not that complicated. It's, it's really, you just go in the website. Um, there's a pretty straightforward um, walk you through steps to enroll in account access. Uh, So once you are a participant, uh, we encourage you to sign up for online account access and and sign up for Go Paperless and do everything electronically. And you don't have to worry about the muss or fuss of paper getting lost in the mail or checks getting stale dated or any of those other issues that that uh, can arise when you're dealing with old-fashioned paper. This is all just great information, Kim, and, and I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. And we really encourage you to visit the website, create an online access account, and go through everything that we talked about here today from your uh, getting your beneficiary card, either the, the first one done or updated. Uh, check to see that sessions that you've uh, been on are included here. And um, Kim, I, I just I just can't thank you for uh, sharing this information with us. First of all, I want to thank you for giving us the opportunity to speak with the community of musicians to help hopefully provide information that will be helpful. We know this is a very challenging time for everyone in the industry. And we are extremely conscious and aware that with some of the events that are ongoing at this time, that the residuals that we will be processing on June 30th and throughout the year are probably this year even more important to the livelihoods of working musicians. We know that there is an impact on production, which has an impact on musicians, um, the, the available session work. And so the residuals that we will be processing, we hope, will help sustain musicians through this difficult year. And we are certainly hoping that acceptable agreements will be reached across the board to ensure that musicians and other talent in this industry um, receive the compensation they deserve. You won't get any complaints from me about that statement. So, (laughs) (laughs) So, Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome, Kim. And we look forward to seeing you the next time. And thanks at at home, everybody, for watching um, this 
uh, podcast will be archived on our website, which is plectrumadvisors.com. We've got some great guests lined up in the future, and we'll be sure to let you know when they're available. So thanks again. Thank you, Kim. Thank you.